Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. It's the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Laugh Podcast. Literature and Film Podcast, Mitchell High School. We're in a remote location, undisclosed, as usual. And uh, we are here. It's uh, the L Train. I'm your host. I'm my guest host over there is Mr. Two Frames Bull. Pleasure as always. How are you, sir? Doing well. Did you have a good uh, 2014? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a it was a good year for uh, films. We have a special guest. It's one of our original co-hosts. Uh, we're gonna call him <laughs> the Rega Star. <laughs> That's going to roll off the tongue. Because <laughs> he's not a teacher anymore, but he was. He was our colleague, Mr. Scott Registar Lasky. How are you, sir? Great. Welcome to the uh, Laugh Podcast. It's been a while. Yes, it has. How was your 214? It was a great year. Looking forward to 215? Very much. Now that I'm finally no longer unemployed. You're employed. I am employed. That's what that is. Yes. That's a better way to say it. So we've been wanting to do this one for what, like three months? Why? Top ten? Yeah. Why? I know I have. I've been waiting for the year to end just so we could do this (laughs) because this is the podcast I look forward to the most. Me too. I was looking forward to it so much that we actually didn't wait till we got back to school. Mm -hmm. We're doing this on January 2nd, 2015. This is our best of the year. We're going to do a top ten list. We're going to start with uh, ten through six. We're going to actually have two shows. I think, break it to up. Do the th- yeah, break it up. For, the, that for the palette. It's better to... Easier to uh, to take, I think. All right, so we'll just go around the, uh, around the horn here. We'll start with um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Registar. What was your number 10, top 10 movie of the year? Uh, First of all, the caveat here is these are movies that I've seen. There are still a lot of movies that I haven't seen that I think would make this list. That's a different list. But out of the ones I've seen, my number 10 choice is Interstellar. Ooh, Interstellar. Yes. Top 10. Well, let's see. How many movies did you see this year, you think? Rough, Rough estimate from 2014. I saw... 30? Uh, 30? Oh, wow. All right. I saw about 34. Mr. Two Frames? Uh, 92. 92? There's only 300 and something that are available for uh, Academy Award. Well, I don't think all of these were uh, even nominated. Or could be even considered. I mean, some of these were direct-to-video. Uh, Batman. A lot of those were direct-to-video. 37. Well, you're wow. also counting movies that weren't released this year, technically. Are yeah. you counting 2013? So you, they can't, those, some of those films that you're counting in your 97 can't make this top 10 list because they were released last year. Probably. So probably more like 70 to 80. So um, that's 37. a lot. You lapped both of us. Yeah, <coughs> so the bar is low when it's 37. No, that's that's almost good. a third of what I've seen is on this list. Oh, almost. I got you. See what I'm saying? Yeah. If I've only seen 37, 10 out of 37. All right, so uh, Interstellar, what, what did you enjoy about that movie? Christopher Nolan's I think I just appreciate opera. that he was uh, that he was trying to do something audacious that he 
um, was willing to put himself out there and make something epic. Yeah, all right. I didn't love it, right? But I have to appreciate what he put into it, the production design. Um, out of the thirty-seven I saw, it's definitely in my top ten. Well, but it is number ten. It is. I'm certainly not going to argue it for it being. I'll have to talk about that in the Laffy Awards. And it's not certainly not going to be. If I was talking about Oscar nominations, I don't think it would be nominated Best Picture. But it's possible though. Out of the ones it I've seen, the, if it's going to be ten movies, it's possible. I can appreciate. Well, there are movies that I haven't seen. Well, the Academy doesn't like Nolan very much either. They do like McConaughey. I think they could nominate him Best Director, if nothing else. There, I don't know. There are a lot of directors. I know there are. I'm saying it's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Yeah. No, I'm interested. I think it'll be interesting to see what they do. Because you've also got a lot of young directors. Well, they also pay attention to the Directors Guild. It'll be interesting. The Directors Guild actually should be happening the next week or two. My theme for the year, in terms of my top ten list, are first-time directors. I think I have four or five, maybe six, first-time directors on my list of top ten movies, which is sort of surprising. Wow. Mr. Two Frames, your number ten. My number ten, Foxcatcher. Ooh. Made it, made it to the you list. Saw it? Yeah, I, we talked about this. Pre-show. He was doing his homework. I was doing the homework. Oh yeah, I, I saw this at the um, last second. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, um, really good acting. You really see what people are willing to sacrifice to achieve their dreams, and how much crazy they're willing to be that they're willing to put up with. And especially if your dream is being a murderer. <laughs> oh. Uh, DuPont. Uh, yeah. I don't the, think those that was dream. You know about my uh, experience with the DuPonts, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about this in one of our one of our earlier podcasts. Which I probably wasn't at. No. Did you see, it was just in the New York Times yesterday or the day before, DuPont, who has for months been touting this movie as the best movie ever made, has all of a sudden decided he doesn't like the movie anymore, and he has threatened the director, literally threatened him. Well, wait a minute, Which that he's going to kill him. The one in the movie. No, he's dead. Yeah, that that guy. Well, then dead. someone who's he, alive he died died is alive. He, oh no, 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 no! I'm sorry, it's the older brother. Not oh, Dupont. Oh, I'm oh, sorry, oh, 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 Mark um, Ruffalo. Mark, yeah. The Mark Ruffalo character. I'm sorry. Apparently, Mark Ruffalo. He is, has been uh, touting the movie, not the actor, the character. Oh yeah, I got you. He has been touting the movie for months, and now he has decided he doesn't like the movie because of some of the reviews. Hmm. Right. And now he's threatened well, the director, literally. Seems like he should have seen the movie. He's a pretty himself. tough guy. He's also a pretty UFC in, integral role in the, uh, in the movie, right? Well, he doesn't like the Apparently, film. It's the Mark Schultz character. It's the Channing, Channing Tatum character. All right. My number 10? No, the Mark Ruffalo character. All right, hey, I don't want to give a spoiler. Show for oh, is it the other way around then? The <laughs> yeah, Channing Tatum. Right. I know one of them gets shot. I'm not an idiot. <gasps> Wait a minute. They give that away in the preview. They do. Well, they do uh, show the gun. Uh, it's also a well-published no, story. What this, this is movie a, is. This is about. not a spoiler-free edition sorry. of the Laugh Podcast. But that's all right. Well, if it's not a spoiler, the trailer doesn't spoil it. My number ten. So this is my tenth movie of the year, and the reason that made number ten was because I think that my eleventh movie of the year is going to be mentioned by one of you two guys. So, and I wanted to give this this some credit. Uh-huh. How to Train Your Dragon Part 2. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I haven't Honestly, seen it, so I can't say. It, it was, it was uh, Dean Dublas, uh, directed um, film about uh, dragons and Vikings. And how to train them. And how to train them. And uh, 
Kate Blanchett. So talk about how to train Vikings. Or no, Vikings dragons. are training dragons. Oh, you Vikings didn't see are training. How to Train Your Dragon. I didn't part see one? the first one. They're both very good movies. And How to Drain Your Par- Dragon Part Two is How to, how to Train Your How to Train how to Your drain, How to Drain Actually, partner. How to Drain Your Dragon was uh, Jennifer Lopez was introducing it at an award show, and she got really flustered and embarrassed because she said How to Drain Your Dragon, <laughs> and the audience, of course, laughed hysterically. But I <laughs> That's all right. It's an animated film that. Um, took a lot of interesting risks in terms of telling the story. And I normally I don't like animated films that much. I went on a whim to go see it at the Paragon, my new favorite movie theater, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it just beat out my number 11 movie. Hmm. Because I think that you guys might mention it, or one of you might mention it. So, How to Train Your Dragon Part 2. That's my number 10 film of the year. Nice. So I haven't seen that one. You guys haven't seen mine. Yet. I haven't seen five. I haven't. We haven't all saw Imitate or um, Interstellar. Interstellar. But you could see How to Train Your Dragon Part Two now. I think it might it's be probably in that video. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So number ten for you. Well, I will definitely be seeing Fox Catcher. Fox Catcher. I just haven't had the opportunity. Yeah. Well, what it's about not opening wide? You'd definitely be seeing Fox Catcher, but what about definitely be seeing How to Train Your Dragon? I might part see it. Two? I haven't <laughs> seen the first one. I feel like I'll you be lost and confused. No, it's a standalone film. But the, is the, the second thing I like most about it better than the first one? Probably was I saw them out of order. I saw the well. I don't know. I can't remember if I I saw them around the same time. I knew I was going to go see part two, so I watched part one. Right. So you didn't want to be confused. But I watched like it on. I did. I watched it on. It was on like FX. So I taped it and watched the eh, last three quarters of it, and it was good. I mean the the character of the main the Airstats dragon is uh is is like a is he reminds me of Rue. <laughs> And that, that's the thing. It's, it's got a it's got a unique personality, and the guy he deals with his dragons and deals with his demons, and it's a coming of age tale, or a came of age tale, I guess. I don't know. Interesting story. I liked it. Yeah, I guess the second ten. one is not a coming of age story. It's a. It's He's a, probably already come of age after the first one, I right? Guess. And then and it becomes a sort of like hero takes a journey sort of situation but again they take some interesting risks in terms of even with an animated movie which I guess they're stretching out there and doing more things it's there have been some good so. animated films over the years your number nine Mr. Lasker Mr. Regestar The Fault in Our Stars The Fault in Our Stars that might have made a list for Mr. Bull I probably has one. I would guess and not the top ten again I'm going off of the films that I've seen this right. year Beat out Interstellar, though, huh? Yeah, Interstellar was <coughs> only on the list because there are other movies that I haven't seen. I wouldn't necessarily say it's the best film of the year. I simply have to put it on this particular list, which is one-third of the movies I've seen, essentially, to because of what I feel the director tried to accomplish, even if he didn't necessarily accomplish it. Fault in the Stars is a great book. And I thought the movie was faithful to the book. I enjoyed it. I didn't see I didn't read the book. I didn't see the movie. I the think. book is fantastic. Huh? And the movie is a faithful adaptation of that book. Is this the one where the girl goes into Anne Frank's yes. museum and makes out with her boyfriend? Yes. Yeah. That's kind of sad. <laughs> That's just a little sad. It was actually kind of funny. Yeah, it's played for comedy. Yeah, well. well it's a movie about cancer that makes you laugh a lot. I mean, if nothing else, you have to admire a, a cancer movie that can make you laugh. Fair enough. Not an easy thing to do. Fault in Our Stars. Again, would probably not be on my list had I seen other things. Did you find it a little creepy that 
The Two Lovers, Our Brother and Sister and Divergent. Another film that came out this year? No, because I barely remember Divergent because I didn't really like Divergent. And I had actually read three quarters of that book and okay. I couldn't even finish the book. Oh, wow. So but the, movie, stars, the movie made no real impact on me. I don't even think I'll see any of the sequels. I just made even less of an impact on me. Didn't care for it. So <laughs> Both no, of I know <laughs> I knew intellectually from all the reading that I do that they played brother and sister in the movie, but it didn't didn't bother you. No, Mister hmm. Two Frames, your number nine. Number nine, uh, probably one of my biggest surprises this year. John Wick, the Ooh. Keanu Reeves action film, John uh, directed Wick. by. Chad Stileski and uh, David Leach, who was unaccredited on there. They previously worked as stunt coordinators, and they'd actually worked with Keanu Reeves in the Matrix trilogy. Right. And I thought the action scenes in this movie are fantastic. Um, quite possibly the best action movie of the year, but we'll have to wait and see how the rest of the list plays out. Didn't they uh, co-direct it, but they wouldn't let him do that? They yeah. They not let you have co-director? The Directors Guild has weird rules on that. You can only have one director on a film. Uh, that was a problem on uh, Sin City. Because um, uh, uh, the comic book creator of that... Frank Miller? Yeah, he was listed as a director, but they had to... Um, the other guy had to drop out of the Director's Guild to do well, that for the film. Um, You're only allowed to have one person listed. John Wick, did you see that? Mr. Uh, I did not see it. I've read a lot about it, and I've, I've actually had read reviewer reviews where they said it was the best action movie that's been made in a long time. Well, you know why year. I didn't see it. So I haven't seen it. it. And that's another theme that runs through the list of movies. Aside from first-time directors mm-hmm. as a theme for my top ten list, Dog abuse. Oh, that's right. Abuse. The uh, plot does pivot on... But that doesn't necessarily preclude its inclusion. That's just why I didn't go see it. It's inclusion on my list, that is. I just didn't see the movie. I just didn't want to it's see it. It's been very well received critically. Yeah, just come in five minutes late to the movie and you'll be fine. It's also the sixth time uh, Keanu Reeves has played a character named John. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's fairly trivial. Over the break, I just rewatched. Parenthood, it was really interesting seeing him in that movie back when Joaquin Phoenix was still known as Leaf Phoenix. I think he was pretty good in um, uh, Skeleton Key. Played a, didn't he yeah, play yeah. a... Yeah, uh, that, that was my favorite role. With role uh, Katie Holmes Ooh. and... can't remember the actor. Skeleton Key? Yeah, it was a, sort of a horror-slash-psychological thriller kind oh. of deal. Yeah, it's a good movie. But it didn't make my list. It came out the, like 1997 or something. I was going to say. Yeah, 90, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's The Gifted. I think oh, I it's The Gifted. Yeah. All right, third, we're up to my number 10 movie, this is a first-time director. Uh, oh, I saw that too. John Slatery's, in, uh, John Slatery's from Mad Men, uh-huh. and he directed this, a movie this year called God's Pocket. Oh, okay. Philip Seymour Hoffman's, uh, one of his last three films was released this year. It's a gritty blue collar neighborhood of God's pocket in which the Philip Seymour Hoffman character of Mickey Scarpata uh, stepson is killed in an industrial accident. And then he's sort of pushed by his wife to figure out how this so-called accident happened. But uh, it has um, Richard Jenkins in it. John Tutoro, 
It's got a great cast. Yeah, it's got a great cast. It's, it's it came to mixed reviews, but for me, it's it's my type of movie. It's a it's and as I was putting together my list, I kind of thought about the movies that I would like to sit and watch again. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought that I could sit down and watch this again and, and enjoy it just as much. Uh, it's darkly funny. Yeah, there's a lot of darkly. There's a there's a there's a lot of darkness to my list. Uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, Killing Them Softly. That yeah, same type yeah, of humor so that made that made my list last year. Yeah, and a lot of people didn't like that movie too. But God's Pocket for me that was my number nine. Nice. Your number eight, Mister Regastar. Number eight movie of the year. This is where I leave you. Ooh, which that, we all saw together. I, I like that movie a lot. That that just missed my list. Although I just realized when we were talking, a movie that we saw that I want to put on my list that's not on my list, and I can't remember the name of it. We saw about the priest. Oh, Calvary. Calvary. All right, that's going on my oh. list <laughs> right now. I just don't know which film. This I'm is where I leave you. Was my number twelve movie of the year. Just made it. Just just missed. Um, I actually my expectations for that movie were pretty low. Yeah. I thought I knew I would enjoy it, but I didn't know I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. I thought it was. Really, very well done. I wasn't even great sure cast I it. and a smart script. Mm-hmm. I was pulled so, into it by you guys. It, I enjoyed it more than I thought. Th- that was a surprise. It was for kind me of too. a surprise to me. Uh, the movie's written by Jonathan Tropper. What else? Uh, did he, he wrote the book that the movie's based oh, on, okay. and right now he's so he's uh, probably a first-time director. No, it's directed by Sean Levy. Oh, sorry. Who's done uh, like Night at the Museum and I mean other just. Uh, Popcorn films, yeah. uh, Mass Appeal, Date Night. He did, yeah. Um, but no, I really like the writer of it. He's uh, writing Harvey. They're going to redo Harvey. Oh, the uh, Invisible Rabbit movie. Yeah, who's going to star in that? They don't have a cast yet. They should have Adam because they just did a TV movie version of it with uh, the guy from Big Bang Theory not too long ago. Oh, oh no, it was on Broadway. Never mind. Yeah, he did it on Broadway just a year or so ago. Okay, but a new movie. Gotcha. Um. All right, so uh, this is where I leave you. Top ten. Didn't make your number eight there? Didn't make number Mr. eight, but we may be talking about it a little later. All right. Uh, number eight for me is a, a movie that I wanted to see for over a year, uh, Cheap Thrills. It played on um, the film festival circuit for quite a while. It's a horror movie. Um, it's about two guys down on their luck. Uh, they meet a guy at a bar, and he starts betting them money to do things. Like to go slap a waitress on the butt, punch the bouncer, and it gets David Koechner's in that. Yes. I David, like that David Koechner. David Koechner. Uh, Funny guy. Probably best known as Champ Kine from yeah. Anchorman. Yeah. Uh, Whammy! He's a really funny guy. In this movie, he's really evil, but he's able to use a lot of the same tricks he uses as a comedian uh-huh. to keep you liking him, even though he's making these guys so do this, worse uh, and worse things. The escalation... Is what is one of the things that appeals to you? The, yeah, the escal- what you're willing to do, how far you're willing to go. Yeah, how far you're willing to go. It's, a, it's a theme that plays throughout some of your movies as well. Yeah, no, uh, but cheap thrills, really, really good. Excellent. So we're up to number. Uh, what was that? That was your number this eight? Is eight. That was number eight. My number, number eight number film, eight. number eight movie of the year, uh, was James Gray's The Immigrant with oh, uh, Marion Cotillard. And also starring Leaf Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> wasn't that his name? His name was Leaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just... What's so funny? You think it's, you're, you're laughing because it's that high? Yeah. You didn't like that movie? No. Try right. it. Too bad. 
I think that the character motivations were sort of contrived to move the plot along. I didn't like that. Sort of. Yeah, Jeremy uh, Renner. That's that's the problem I had with it. It's a simple fix on the he Jeremy was terrible Renner or the character. The character oh, okay. more yeah. than him, and then and then he had to overplay. Jeremy Renner plays Joaquin Phoenix's uh, um, brother, okay. and there's sort of a little love triangle between it. But anyway, um, the Marion Cotillard plays Iwa Chabulski, or Iwa, I can't remember. She comes uh, from Poland with her sister, and uh, they arrive in New York City. Uh, in search of the new start for the American dream, they get held up because her sister has uh, tuberculosis. So, she, and her uncle never came to pick her up. So she's sort of left there at the station with um, no one to help her. She has no idea. She barely speaks the language. She barely speaks English. She gets taken in by Joaquin Phoenix, the charming Bruno, who is a uh, sort of a pimpish type of character. And then the movie unfolds from there. She meets Jeremy Renner, uh, which I really didn't like that part of it, but I thought the cinematography was good. I liked the period piece. I love Marion Cotillard as an actress. And it, like I said, if I were watching it, um, if, if I had a choice of movies and you said you're going to watch a movie today, has to be from 2014, this would be the eighth pick. I mean, great really? production values. It looks a lot like Godfather 2, the flashback scenes. Yeah. Like, you keep waiting for Robert De Niro to pop out in the background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it was a pretty small budget, too. They were able to pull that off. Yeah. So, anyway. Interesting. It's my number eight movie of the year. Number seven, Mr. Regastar. Your number seven movie of the year. Into the Woods. Hmm. Recent movie. Yes. came out. Are you surprised that it's that low? No, because I don't necessarily think it's a great film. I think the source material is great. They've made some changes. Um, I don't necessarily love all the changes they've made, but um, the cast is spectacular, and the production design is great. Cinematography is great. Who is that? That Meryl Streep? Meryl Streep, Chris Pine, Anna Kendrick. Um uh, it's a James Disney Corden. Movie? It is a Disney movie, which yeah. is why they made some of the changes they made. It is definitely um, tamed. It is more of a family film than the original production. Hmm. But uh, the I writer of her the play name. signed off on it. Oh and yeah, he, he worked was... on the script. He and the the book writer worked on. They've approved all the changes. They were not changes that were made haphazardly, but they knew they were working with Disney, so the changes were made to satisfy Disney and their needs as a corporation. Did you feel some of these changes need to, needed to be done because the play is from the early 80s? No, and the changes... Mm -mm. Some of this material's been done with Shrek and Enchanted. None of that. Okay. Nope. But Most, it is a retelling, a modern retelling of a, of a fairy tale. It's not necessarily it? modern, actually. It's, it's set a mash kind up. of in a weird, you know, t timeless somewhere in the past kind of vaguely British fairy tale world. Okay. So right. it's not modern, the but it is a mashup of the four stories right. hmm. that goes in a new direction once. Halfway through the movie, the actual fairy tales are done. So everything after that is new. Alright. You yeah. highly recommended Into the Woods to me. I just haven't been able to get around to seeing it. I would so. actually suggest you see the Broadway production, which is available on DVD. It's better. Oh, really? 
The movie is good, but the original production is better. Right. If you're going to see it. So, Into the Woods, number seven. Nice. Uh, number seven for me, uh, we've already heard about this movie, uh, This Is Where I Leave You. Ah, okay. wow. Made yeah. it all the way up to number seven for you. I think it was probably one of the best comedies I saw all year. Yeah, well, uh, that doesn't say much for anything. No, I saw a lot of comedies. I but just didn't laugh they all, a whole lot. They were all horrible. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think comedies are actually harder to do well. Funniest movie. They're not very well respected. The Oscars comedies, don't yeah. really honor comedies very often. Mm-hmm. Well, this probably won't get a whole well, And I think one of the reasons why I like this is it didn't feel like there was a lot of improv in this comedy, where a lot of the like Seth Rogen films, you feel like they're improving if you're seen, and I just don't laugh at that stuff. Right. I felt like all the jokes were in the script. Uh, the other comedy I'll talk about, I think all the jokes were in the script. And it made your top... You have another comedy? That I have made another your top, comedy. Well, a, one of the great yeah. directors of comedy just passed this year, Mike Nichols, and he he worked on films where it was all based in the script. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of improv. They might have done improv prior to filming, but they worked from a script. Wow. All right. Uh, and Ivan Reitman, as a matter of fact... Again, there might have been improv, but they worked from a Favorite script. part of that movie? Favorite character? Uh, Jason Bateman's character. Um, Bateman's a guy I used to hate to watch in movies, but he's really grown on me this year. Huh. And, I mean, he's done quite a few. Probably I liked all of his comedies this year. Uh, Bad Words and uh, The Longest Week. Bad Words I haven't seen. I want to see that. And then The Longest Week. Uh, not great. If you like Wes Anderson films, it's in that style. Okay. Bad words? No, 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 The Longest Week. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I haven't uh, even heard of that. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> all right, number seven for me. Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Black comedy, story of an actor, Michael Keaton, uh, famous for playing an iconic superhero, Birdman, and he struggles to mount a Broadway play. Based uh, on a really great... Raymond Carver short story that I like. The play is based on the Raymond Carver short story that is entitled, and we don't know because uh, what we talk about when we talk about love. Bull and I were it's a great story. Uh, interested in reading that. It's a great story, but uh, it is. Okay. so I had to read it for a, a class I took at CNU, a literature class. Hmm. It's a great story. Then you'll probably like Birdman then, right? Because that is a key part of it. I, it's not from not wanting to see it. It's, it's just never happened for some reason it wasn't really playing plentifully right on my side of the water i know it's at the mc24 for a long time but i don't live over here anymore. this movie has a uh it's on my list it has a uh uh, experimental semi-experimental conceit of having one long shot which they pull off in uh, it's actually six ways. shots, but they make it seem like it's one long shot. Right. They'll, they'll have some tricks that they play. Like six shots Hitchcock. are still impressive for a full-length feature. Oh, yeah. Well, it's still only... I mean, it's still one shot, for the most part, f- to the audience. No, Although I know. they do play the time like a little bit. I'm just saying I know. Well, yeah, it's one mm. continuous shot over four days. Right. And there are some whip pans where you feel like they could cut together different takes. Oh, yeah, and they also cut on black screens where they pull close-ups onto people's backs, which is what Hitchcock did in Rope. Yeah. Um, but they're able to, I mean, it, it's still, it, it reads as a play and it, it seems like a play. It's a movie about a play for the most part. I was interested mostly in the psychological aspects of it and the technical aspects of it. And 
the psychology was interesting in that movie because uh, if it's all in the man's head, then there are some scenes where we don't follow the Birdman character. And it's interesting to sort of look at those scenes and analyze those scenes for mm-hmm. other meanings and, and uh, purposes. So, what Alex, would you say Alejandro about, Gonzalez in Yarito. What would you say about Michael Keaton getting nominated Best Actor? Because I probably he'll probably be nominated. I don't know if he'll. I'm win saying you that. personally. Yeah, he. I think he did a really good job, and I mean, I really enjoyed it. I thought the uh, some of the screen, uh, the the writing, the screenwriting has not received a whole lot of credit, but I thought it was well written. I, I enjoyed some of the lines and. I mean, it's not an easy thing to pull off either way. Right. Well, I mean, it's a movie you can't go back and edit. You can't go and find your film after you've done it, after you've shot it. Right. You have to know every single beat, and even just doing the comedy aspects. Well, I mean, they could still, I mean, even if you make a mistake, they can still start over. Yeah, if but I mean, trip or fall, they but, can still start over. But you can't cut over. to a new angle in a scene. No, if you have to start over the whole joke shot. is working. Yeah. You can cut in a way so that there's more time for the audience to laugh, or if the joke's not working, you can cut it shorter and get right on to the next bit of right. dialogue. No, you can't play around in the editing booth as much. It has to be very meticulously planned out. And that movie was filmed in a, an active theater, in yeah. a theater that was actually, they had to film it on like Monday through Wednesday or whatever in those closed confines of, the, of that uh, actual theater in New York City. So. It's really interesting to think about all the stuff that they had to do behind the scenes in order to make that movie work. So that was my number seven. Nice. Birdman. Now we're, we're going to end this podcast with our number six movies of the year. And then we're going to start up again with our top five. But for you, Mr. Registar, what is your number six movie of the year? The Theory of Everything. Oh, this is the movie. The story uh, of Stephen Stephen Hawking and his marriage. Right? Ah, I did not see it. I saw it. Saw it over Thanksgiving. My wife really wants to see it. So. Um, the actor in it is Eddie Redmayne. And do you think he'll get a nomination? Oh, he'll definitely get nominated. They like the, and he's the got a good chance characters. of winning. I don't know if he'll win, but he'll definitely get nominated. You yeah. can't imagine him not getting nominated. All right. I mean, it's a difficult performance. And apparently, like, he screwed up his back doing this because he would hold these crooked positions for, you know, hours. Well, he worked, he actually worked with a uh, physical therapist and learned to isolate muscles because for a lot of the movie, he could only use one muscle in his face because that's what Stephen Hawking does. Huh. And they filmed it out of order, so, like most movies... So he had to go back and forth. Remember these various postures where where he was in the physical degeneration of this character. So yeah, it's it's an incredible performance. All right, the theory of everything. Okay, um, my number six, Blue Ruin. Ah, I think this is a film that will be talked about more later it's on. Made so, my list. Uh, directed by Jeremy Solnier. 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 Yeah. Um, second or third film of his? This is the second film. I think he's done like a short and then he did a murder party. Yeah, I've not, I've not seen murder party. And he basically just did that because that was the only thing people would give him any money to go and direct. He's uh, from Alexandria. Yeah. Him and his group of friends that, that make these movies together. Yeah, um, his buddy Macon Blair stars in it great actor 
I thought in this movie he, he was very good yeah, in this movie. I'm I mean, not sure well, if he, I'll be able to see what his range is. But yeah, know, I don't know what his range is. We don't know is. if he's Robert De Niro or not. And I'm not sure I could see him playing other characters. I, I think he may have uh, pigeonholed himself. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but no, it, it's good. It's a revenge tale. And one of the things I really liked about it was uh, they show you all the parts that normally get cut out of other movies. You know, if you're on a stakeout they cut to the action. You don't have to spend the six hours with the character waiting for something to happen. Right. And this film spends a lot of time showing you the in-between moments. But it's still not slow. It's not boring. It's, no, it's, no. Everything is paced out. That was your number six. Number six. I knew that you liked that movie. I'm surprised it didn't get a little bit higher, but you'll be hearing about that one in my top five. <laughs> number six for me, John Michael McDonough's Calvary. Ooh. Yep. Uh, Calvary's uh, got Brendan Gleeson in it as a good priest and uh, this is one of my top three movie going experiences of the year just in terms of the company that I was with but also the uh, the, the sort of conversation that followed it because it can be read as an allegory uh, it's very thoughtful very uh, pedantic uh, darkly comic mm-hmm. and um well-written, well-executed. It's my top six movie of the year. Good film. Very Probably good has film. one of my top five scenes, although it didn't make my best scene list. Uh, the opening sequence involves the confession, oh. where uh, the movie is set up and you, uh, the confessor uh, tells uh, the, the priest that he's going to kill him. It's like the, uh, the short on uh, YouTube he dies at the end, or John dies at the end. So it sort of gives it away in terms of uh, what may or may not happen. Yeah, it's, it's a great scene. It's like four minutes long, no cuts, and you're focused on Brendan Gleeson's face the right. whole time, and you see this range of emotions. If you can uh, pull that sort of thing off early in a film where it's a, a steady five-minute shot, mm-hmm. close-up of a dude, <laughs> and uh, pull me in, then you got a pretty good movie going there. Well, I mean, yeah, it's one of those films. It's either going to work for you in the first five minutes or it's not. So that was our six through ten, like top it. ten list. Uh, just to go over again, my top ten was, uh, or my uh, six through ten, number six was Calvary. Number seven was the uh, Birdman. Saw the immigrant was in my, coming in at number eight. God's Pocket at number nine, and then my number ten movie <laughs> of the year was How to Train Your Dragon Part Two. Mr. Two Frames? Uh, my six through ten, uh, Blue Ruin at number six. Number seven, This Is Where I Leave You. Eight was Cheap Thrills. Uh, nine, John Wick, and number ten, Foxcatcher. And then our guest host. Number six, The Theory of Everything. Number seven, Into the Woods. Number eight, This Is Where I Leave You. Number nine, The Fault in Our Stars. And number ten, Interstellar. Excellent. So that's our six through ten, top ten, movie list 2014. And uh, I guess this ends our podcast for today. You know what I like best about our list? None of the movies were repeated, right? There Be Dragons. (laughs) This is true. They were repeated. We both have... Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's his sign off. <laughs> and it's true. 
Wow, you've been sitting on that since the very beginning of the show. You're like, wow. That gives me a good lead in, doesn't it? Comedy. <laughs> All right, for uh, Mr. Two Frames, Mr. Regastar, I'm the L Train. Pox at Bodum, everybody. Fair V Dragons. <laughs> <laughs>